You're listening to Vernacular Podcast. Hello and welcome to Vernacular Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. You're listening to the final episode of season two. Yeah, episode 10. It's crazy that season two has come to a close. Yes. And this is obviously not like TV seasons because we haven't even been podcasting for a year and we've already finished two seasons. Yeah, we're just so fast. Yeah. And before we forget to mention this, next episode, obviously, we'll start season three and it's going to be unlike you've ever heard vernacular podcast before. Literally, it's going to be a special topic podcast. So all of our guests will be talking about the same topic, but from different perspectives. And in the past, we have not brought on guests to talk about very controversial topics, but we are blowing that concept out of the water on this one. We're just going for it. We're going for the jugular. So season three, episode one, uh, which is going to be recorded in January, hopefully released in January, depending on how quickly we can edit this thing. Uh, January you may or may not know, is Sanctity of Life Month. And so we are taking that theme and going with the topic of abortion and exploring that issue from many different policy angles. So yeah, January 22nd is the anniversary of Roe versus Wade. 1973. The Supreme Court case that legalized abortion. Yeah, so we're going to be exploring that and other issues of uh, abortion in America and around the world. So make sure you come back for Season 3, Episode 1, when we release that. Yes. But before we get on to episode 10 of season two, we wanted to share a tip of the week. Yes. Our hashtag tip of the week. Yes. So at the end of December, Sally and I celebrated our anniversary, and we did so by uh, going to a great restaurant in downtown downtown Chicago. Actually, two great restaurants, but uh, we'll, we'll tell you about this about this later. So Rick Bayless is a Chicago legend. He is not Mexican himself, but he has studied in Mexico, studied with Mexican chefs, and so he is a great Mexican chef himself. He's a chef and restaurateur in Chicago. He has three restaurants on the same block in Chicago on Clark Street. And we had been to one of them, but we wanted to go to another one for our anniversary. And the one we had been to is called Shoco, X-O-C-O. And they do really good sandwiches. And like Sally said, Mexican food, but Mexican food like you've never had it before. So we'd been there before for lunch. And actually, we did go again that this night. So this was the second restaurant I mentioned. We got hot chocolate there because they make Amazing, amazing hot, hot chocolate, chocolate. Yeah. but it's more just make their own chocolate bars and then melt them down and water them down a little that's bit. exactly what it tasted like it it's was incredible amazing. yeah so that was the second restaurant we went to to top off our dinner but for dinner we went to his flagship restaurant called frontera grill frontera grill was opened in 1987 that was the year that i was born and that just tells you how great of a chef and a legend <laughs> in chicago rick bayless is or it tells you what a great year 1987 was Aww. Thank you. <laughs> the year they gave us Sally and, and Frontera Grill. Grill. <laughs> Doesn't get much better than that. So we went to Frontera Grill and we were just blown away by his style of Mexican cuisine. It's just incredible. It's Yeah, it's, it's miles above Chipotle, Qdoba, any sort of Mexican restaurant you've been to. We lived in Texas before. They have what seems to be authentic Mexican cuisine. But I think this is as authentic as it can get because he has studied in Mexico and he just brings all of these amazing flavors and spices together in ways that I could never have imagined beforehand. Yeah, totally. I mean, I love Mexican food. It's hard. You're going to be hard pressed to find someone who loves Mexican food more than I do. Yeah. So we knew that this was and a safe choice and that it was Mexican, but we were trying to be a little bit adventurous by choosing Frontera Grill. 
Yeah, and you know, I'm not knocking the Chipotle and Qdobas of no, the world, and neither is salad, because, I mean, that is one of my favorite foods, and on any given day, I might choose Qdoba over Frontera Girl, because Frontera Girl was just so, it was just, like, so classy and so unique that I don't think it would be good fare for, like, just your average, you know, weekly lunch kind of thing. Uh, but for a special dinner. Because I love a good burrito, you know, smothered in queso, or... Uh, fajitas with guacamole. I love all that stuff. But Frontera Girl was just very different. Yeah. Uh, one of the things we loved was the winter guacamole. Yeah, there were pomegranate seeds in it and walnuts. Um, and, and Casa Fresca. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, with uh, just made tortilla chips. Uh, yeah. Very good. And then we had a chicken mole. Is that right? Uh, chicken and chico mole. And chico mole. Yeah. And that, oh goodness, there is. It was chicken. The mole sauce was incredible. I don't even know all that was in it. It was just dark and spicy and velvety. And there was butternut squash puree yeah. underneath the, the chicken with um, eggplant as well. Yeah. It was it was amazing. I just, I wouldn't even know how to put all those It's one of the only together. dishes I've ever had in my life where I, I mean, you hear like food critics talk about like all the levels of flavor. Right. But I really felt as I was eating it like... I could detect five different levels of flavor yeah. in the dish. It was and really And then impressive. you could put all of that, you could eat it on its own, or you could put all of that in a tortilla and eat it like a fajita. Right. Which was amazing. Yeah, it was so, it was so cool. Yeah. Now, I felt like I was on Iron Chef or something. So we, for food, Frontera gets a five stars from us. Uh, obviously, the downside is you're going to, you know, you're going to get what you pay for. So right. It wasn't cheap. Another reason why it wouldn't be a good, like, weekly lunch spot, but right. a great anniversary spot. So we did really enjoy Frontera Grill. And service-wise, I would say a five. Yeah, really good service. Everyone was really nice. Was All the waiters place. and waitresses, very. Friendly. But it wasn't like a stuffy atmosphere. I mean, no, there were, were there so were families that had their kids there and everything. We didn't because we were celebrating our anniversary. But we there totally were, could have There were little her. kids at tables around us, so it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't the kind of place you have to wear a suit and tie to. Right. Um, but it was amazing. So if you ever find yourself in Chicago, specifically on Clark Street or in the vicinity, uh, we walked from uh, Michigan Avenue, Magnificent Mile. Uh, but if you find yourself there and you like Mexican food. Check out Frontera Grill or Shoko. Or Shoko. Yeah. So that's our tip of the week. That, that was, was kind of, of a long one. <laughs> <laughs> Go to Frontera Grill in Chicago. All right. That's so before we talk to our guests, let's talk about our uh, contemporary preoccupations. Sally, yes. what has been on your mind lately? My contemporary preoccupation is one of my Christmas gifts from you. Oh, which one? Um, my passion planner. <laughs> <laughs> I knew the answer. <laughs> um, yes. So Zach gave me what is called a passion planner. And I don't know too much about how it was created, but some girl somewhere started a, a business to make these passion planners. She did a Kickstarter and now she has a business making them. And they are just really great. There's obviously your – it's an obvious – planner in that there's a space for, you know, looking at the year, looking at the month, looking at the week, looking at the day. But there's also kind of roundups after each month where you can reflect on your on your month. And even each week it kind of it it focuses you each day. What is your what is your goal for this day? What is your focus for today? What is your focus for this week? Um and there's a little spot for drawing or doodling or brainstorming and and then there's bunch of pages in the back for extra notes, lists, those kinds of things. So I really like it. It's pretty compact. Um, it easily fits in our diaper bag. And I'm just trying to get away from my phone because I have I had before many different lists on my phone. And now it's nice to have it in one book. And I don't have to always just be looking at my phone to check 
our menu for tonight or my grocery list or our calendar. It's just all in one spot and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. If you want to check this out for yourself, passionplanner.com is the website. Uh, you can order one. You can also download uh, free PDFs of the Passion Planner layout so you can oh, kind of try it out and see if you'd like it. And then if you do like it, you can buy the actual Passion Planner. That's cool. Yeah. So. I was turned on to this. Um, well, and Zach was. That's why I, how I got the idea from uh, our my sister-in-law, Zach's sister. She's a huge Passion Planner Yeah. Huge Passion fan. Planner booster. <laughs> and she quickly converted me. So... <laughs> So that's been a successful Christmas present, which yes, I'm so happy thank about. Thank you so much. Well, mine is also a Christmas present uh, from you, Sally. Ooh. And this is my uh, goose down coat from Jack Threads. Ah, yes. So I've never owned a goose down coat, and it's amazing. I mean, it's very thin, so it doesn't look like it's super it's warm. It's a puffer coat. Puffer which, coat. If you but know of those, it it looks like it doesn't take up a lot of space. It's yeah, it's very thin. Right. And I really, really love it. It's so, and it's also from Jack Threads. I think I mentioned that. Uh, if you haven't heard of Jack Threads, uh, you should. Thing. It's a great place for menswear. They have really cheap menswear. They have their own brand, which is the coat that I have. But they also sell other uh, brands, and they sell them normally at a very steep discount. So check out Jack Threads. And my coat specifically, like Sally said, it it's not huge. I mean, it's not like I'm uh, you know, going out for an Arctic expedition. Uh, but it's, it's warm, warm enough. I mean, it does the job very, very well. So I really enjoy that. Yeah, he tested it out in very cold Chicago temperatures. And I guess it passed the test. It definitely passed the test. It. Yeah. And you, he looks really good in it. <laughs> Thanks. So if you want to look good, I mean, you first have to look like Zach. But you could also <laughs> try wearing Jack Threads. And that would help a lot. You're so kind. <laughs> it's true. All right. Well, those are our contemporary preoccupations. Uh, next up, we'll talk to our guests. And uh, we won't reveal who they are, because you'll find out soon enough. All right, welcome back to Vernacular Podcast. We're sitting here with Jordan Short, a voice that will be very familiar to our longtime listeners, but also Joshua Short, a voice that might sound a little bit like Jordan's, but is actually Jordan's brother. The reason we have these two guys on is because they have started a new uh, I don't know, would you guys call it a band, a duo? What is Father Hands? Yeah, a band is good. Okay, I mean, band. Yeah. So they've started yeah. a new band called Father Hands. Now, this is not their, these guys' first foray into music. So we mentioned in the last episode, the outro that we use on this podcast uh, that we absolutely love uh, is a creation of these two guys and some other um, some of their musical compadres from a while back. But this Father Hands thing is a new venture that we wanted to bring them on to talk about. So Jordan and Joshua, welcome to the show. Hey. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Did I, uh, did I inaccurately describe anything uh, there about Father Hands? I mean, I guess I, was, I wasn't very descriptive. I already checked with you that it is a band. <laughs> <laughs> what, what am I missing here? And, and let's just kick it uh, off with this. It seems good to me. What, I mean. Why, why Father Hands? What does that name mean? Why'd you go with that? Yeah, I mean, well, as I'm sure you experienced with your own podcast, naming anything, it, or also you've experienced with your child, <laughs> naming anything is 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 very, kind of very tough important, work, <laughs> right? It has so, to capture so much in so little. <laughs> correct, correct. And once you do it, you can't go back. Also yes, true. or you shouldn't. Right. You shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. Really not advised. <laughs> this week we're father hands. Next week we're. <laughs> J and J. I mean, Prince. Look at what happened to him. Yeah, I mean, well, Prince is amazing, but yeah, <laughs> well, I think maybe only he could get away with that, right? right? Yeah. 
I mean, you know, there's a lot of things to consider, especially when you're starting a, a band or a business or whatever. I mean, you know, you have the coolness factor, you know, how it relates to your industry, the, you know, finding a, a dot com URL is preferred, right? And, you know, as far as bands go, you're checking iTunes and, and, and Spotify to see if any other bands have that, that name. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, there was a lot of things to consider. You know, when I was uh, uh, trying to find you guys online the other day, I did a search for Father Hands, and the first result that came up with was a site called Father's Hands, which apparently is, like, feel-good uh, Christian poetry. Totally, which I've totally <laughs> yeah. checked out. <laughs> because I, there was a guy from work, and I, I told him the name, and he looked it up, and he was just like, nice, Josh. <laughs> And I was just like, mm, yes. But, uh, so we had a good laugh about that. It's it awesome. Yeah, yeah, Josh, you want to you wanna explain a little bit more of the, the meaning and the process yeah, there? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, obviously we had all this, uh, this you know, branding, how it relates, what Jordan just mentioned. Like we were just thinking about names because also, I mean, music is just so much a part of, of uh, Jordan and I's life even growing up. And... We were thinking about, you know, different names. Jordan made like a list of names, and I was just kind of looking them over. We were talking on the phone, and uh, Father Hands wasn't on the list, but we were like throwing out uh, different like cool ideas that we thought, and and it was like in a sentence Jordan was using, and those two words were back to back, not even necessarily together. And immediately, like in my brain, Jordan like wasn't even aware. He just like kept on talking, and then I stopped listening and started thinking. But I, those those two hands, fa- I mean, those two words, father hands. I immediately thought of my dad's, um, our dad's hands, and I, I was thinking like of like all like I feel like I know his d- hands just by looking at them more than even like my own. Like I can just picture my dad's hands. And I was like, and I know that like where those hands are, like it, I'm safe and it's safe and like nothing can go wrong. And I started thinking like, man, I cannot wait for my hands to be that for somebody else and kind of be a a safe place. And I think like, you know, it's, um, it's something where I think the world could do more, do with more father hands like that. Uh, you know, a, a strong figure, and it doesn't need to be male, it could be anybody, but a strong figure where it's just like, hey, around this stuff, emotions and things are safe to be shared, and it's safe to be who you are, um, and I, I just, I kind of latched onto that idea, and I, and then later I shared that with Jordan, and that's kind of where that came from. Wow, I really like that. Um, what inspired you guys to start Father Hands Together? Yeah, I mean, you know, like Josh said, we've always been into music. Uh, we've, man, for as long as I can remember, I've always enjoyed singing or, or, or drumming, you know, um, it's kind of funny uh, real quick, if you don't mind me interrupting. I mean, even as like kids, we would go on road trips to like West Texas and, and cause that's where my mom is from and, and just a bunch of places. And we would just, we would play games where we would like listen to pop hits, listen to different music. Um, and. Jordan would be like, all right, Joshua, like, what makes this song good? And how, how did this person break this song out? And, and, like, what does this mean? And, like, even just from a very young age, we all were very analytical of, about how we connected to music, as well as like, emotionally. But anyway, sorry. Just, no, that's, that's absolutely yeah. true. So, I mean, like, so we've always kind of been that way. And we, uh, both of us had played music uh, in church and stuff. And... Um, we kind of just wanted to be, 
we wanted to write m more together. And so we started our, our previous band with a friend. Uh, and so we released a couple songs and then that kind of disbanded, but Josh and I wanted to still write together and continue that. So, uh, yeah, we were like, Hey, let's do a new project. And so we, at that time, uh, me moving to Nashville was already in the works. So we kind of just committed to writing together, uh, even though, uh, you know, there was, it was kind of long distance. So, so how has that worked with, uh, the recording of this new EP? Have you guys just put together big recording weekends where one of you will drive to Nashville or Chicago? Yeah. So what we did was, you know, we, we wrote together and separately, you know, via, uh, just sending files back and forth and, and writing things into shared Google docs and editing it together. You know, we'll both be on the phone and, and edit a document together or, or send uh, different ideas back and forth. And then as far as the recording goes, uh, Josh just drove down here and uh, we recorded uh, at a studio here in Nashville. So, yeah. So who does what? Who sings? Who plays the instruments? Who writes the lyrics? Who makes the music? Well, it's it's kind of interesting because um, you, I mean, usually how we've always kind of, you know, how, how songs have evolved is usually I maybe will come up with a, with a very rough um, song or idea of a song or maybe he just like a chord progression and then I, I bounce it off Jordan and he might be like, okay, this is cool, this is cool, and what about this? And then I'll listen to it and I'll be like, okay, cool, what about this? And usually it's we're, we're with each other and that's how it always has been, but this was a little different because that process, like Jordan was saying, was, it was a lot more distance in between. Um, and it just kind of, you know, develops from there. But usually I, uh, I sing, um, and I, uh, I, uh, I play keyboard and, and, uh, the piano and I program a lot of stuff. Um, and then Jordan does, I, Jordan's a, much more of like a, uh, like a, uh, producer type and looks big picture. I'm much more like just even how I'm wired, I need Jordan to kind of open my mind to like more things, but it's good like that. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's, I never, didn't really know you thought of it that way. That's, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, no. So like then I, I, uh, so we, yeah, we write lyrics together, write music together. I play drums, um, a little bit of guitar and, uh, and then, and program some stuff too. So it's all very fluid. It, there's no really one person that's owning a particular thing except for singing. Joshua is much better at singing than I am. Uh, and so he, we let him handle that. <laughs> it's good to know your own limitations. Yes, of course. Well, you do really have a good voice, Joshua. Yeah, I'm very impressed. Uh, we, we'd like to play a little bit here coming up. Uh, I do have to ask, though, who would you most compare your style to? Who are your musical influences? I mean, I would categorize us as indie rock, um, but but that's that's kind of hard to <laughs> to pigeonhole. I feel like our music is kind of like a stew, like a delicious musical stew, and <laughs> we throw all of our influences in, and kind of what comes out comes out. And it's like we have you know we have rock and soul and R and B from a variety of eras that we just kind of throw in. And because we're so close to the, the creative process, it's kind of hard to pigeonhole. But even just real quick, to kind of take your point, Jordan, and kind of go a little bit, like zoom in a little bit more, um, as far as describing your style, 
Jordan, you were kind of saying this, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I hear you saying is that it's, it's hard for, to, because it's our own music, it's kind of hard to figure out that style. Like it, for me, it's hard because when I listen to it, I don't, it's not like I can hear it for the first time, you know? And when you're involved with it from like embryo stage, sometimes you just like forget all that was put into it. And then right, when you sure. hear it, you just hear your work. And sometimes you can think of it objectively. Um, but it's kind of, it's really hard for me to do that. Yeah, that makes I don't sense. Know, you know, I don't know about you, Jordan, but what are bands you're getting into right now, Jordan? Uh, like no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the new Tame Impala album that came out this year has been on heavy rotation here at our place. Uh, the 1975, um, Wolf Alice, Beach House. I mean, obviously Taylor Swift. How can you? How can of you go course, wrong? Yeah. Um, uh, the new Justin Bieber album is insane. But I mean, Phil Collins. I'm always jamming on Michael Jackson. Always like those are go-tos like so jackson five or later michael jackson solo work like off the wall to bad probably okay gotcha all right so do you guys mind if i play a little bit of uh, one of your songs go ahead all right mm -hmm. uh so i'm gonna play spine uh this is uh my favorite that i've heard so far from you guys uh described on your website as the raw emotional second release this was the second of the ones on your ep i believe that you released born out of a trying relationship that proved the sad truth that not all friends or lovers got your back so with that introduction here is a taste of spine So talk to me about this one, you guys. Uh, first of all, where'd you get the idea for that that riff that kind of drives the uh, the song throughout that uh, electric guitar that you have going on? Because I absolutely love that. It sounds uh, it sounds like a, a song from a different time to me, uh, and it's really really good. I like it a lot. And then second, um, yeah, I guess maybe can you talk to us a little bit more about these very raw, emotional, as you describe it on your site, uh, lyrics that are uh, in this song. Yeah, this is kind of a, this is a fun question. I like this. Thank you for asking, asking us, Zachary. Mm. Well, it was, um, the riff, there was a time, this is, this one 
went through a lot to get where it's at as far as you know um, how it's arranged and, and, and how everything feels um, but that riff I was playing around with a really old crappy um, Korg keyboard and I plugged it in to this terrible old um, acoustic amp nice and I started messing with these different like distortion pedals and just kind of messing around with some stuff and I just like found this old suitcase sound when running through all that distortion that just like sounded just like it was wailing like just just gnarly nasty like delicious just morsels of music and I was just like hmm and I just started playing around and I came up with that lick um, on the keyboard uh, running through the amp and that's actually um, what you hear in the song is it's it's a it's a suitcase running through um, this old distortion to get that sound. So was it actually that and, same old amp that you originally discovered it on? Did you just record that? Uh, it is not. Oh, okay, is not. okay. I, That'd be well, kind of cool. Some of it is. Some okay. Of, there's a bit of it in there. I, I worked it into, because it's, it's funny, when Jordan and I were sending it back and forth, I had all these old uh, files and things that I was working on, and that is in the the thing that we sent and we actually used bits of that in the recording and then we they when they mixed it you know they changed a little bit to make it fit in the mix more but um it is in there yeah amongst other other things and like the bass and things like that right a little heavy feel but yeah um and uh it was really crazy it was uh it was a really late night i still had that riff all i had was that riff um it was probably like one or two in the morning, and this was a little while ago. I uh, there was a uh, a relationship I was in that I was just very emotional that night, um, and I was very very upset. And I wrote like five verses of this song that night, like uh, heavy intense verses. Wow. <laughs> like the song was all verses. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just all verses. There was no chorus, no like runaway part. It was just all like super heavy boom. And usually writing songs like that don't come to me like that. Um, usually it's a little slower process as far as lyrics go. And it was just like, and then I presented it to, uh, to Jordan and a few other people. And then we just kind of worked on it from there. Well, let's talk about your first song, um, damage of love. We usually don't think of love as damaging, but what are you guys trying to communicate through that song? Yeah, I mean, this, it's weird. I feel like a lot of our ideas, well, I don't know, like this idea came late at night as well. Like I, I was like, I think you guys should just probably just stay up late every night and see what ideas you come up with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. Like I was laying in bed and my mind was just racing. Uh, not, not thinking about anything in particular, but then, uh, I, I got up and I went into the living room and I like, I got out my iPad actually and started playing around on GarageBand. And I had this, this idea of when we are in love with someone or when we are in a, a tight knit relationship, we never come away from that relationship the same. There's something that marks us. Uh, love has a way of leaving its mark and, and changing us for better or for worse. 
And so I, I latched onto the idea of, oh man, love damages us in some way. And, you know, it's like, it's like a, a, a rough stone can become smooth, right? But it has to be kind of chipped away at and damaged, so to speak. And, uh, so, so yeah, so that was the idea that, that love leaves its mark. We're all damaged people walking around. No one is completely whole. And so sometimes when two damaged people get together, uh, <laughs> fireworks can happen, right? Uh, but, but I think we all have to decide when that friction occurs, uh, is, is love worth fighting for? So that was kind of the, the idea behind that concept. I like your analogy to the uh, the rock being made smooth. It reminds me of when I was a kid. I had one of those rock tumbler machines. Yeah. <laughs> I just tumbled rocks for like a week straight, and then they were really smooth at the end. But I think I it's – I always wanted one of those. <laughs> oh, it was awesome. It was really cool. Oh. And then I had a really nice pile of smooth rocks that I had nothing to do with. <laughs> but it was cool to have smooth rocks. Well, so, totally. And you were like David, and you were gonna like slingshot Goliath. You know, I probably, I probably did that multiple times, uh, Good. and then probably got yelled at for throwing rocks. <laughs> if you had. Okay. <laughs> Real quick before we end here, let's talk about your guys' plans for the future. Um, you know, you talked about how you how, how you guys do different things in the songs themselves. So. It's, it's more complicated than a guy on the drums and a guy playing, so you do a lot at the same time. Is that something that can lend itself to live performance as well? Do you guys have plans for live performances? Are you guys going to do another EP? Uh, you know, since Full-length album. Full-length album, yeah. Since you guys are living in different cities, how, how would you do uh, kind of a, a tour or performances? So just talk, to, talk us through kind of what your future plans are. Well, you know, we, we created this, this handful, uh, these handful of songs, and um, we kind of, as, as you know, um, and as maybe your, your readers are unaware, but, but we, we're giving away the songs for free right now on our website. And then we'll be releasing the, the, e, the full EP um, uh, on iTunes uh, in January of, of 2016. But I think this whole batch of songs at the beginning was just a test to see how many people liked our music. Uh, who they were, where they lived, you know, kind of like we, we wanted to get a, a feel for our fan base. If there was a fan base at all, we could definitely do some, some shows here and there. And like you said, it is difficult being in two different cities at the moment, but yeah, that's, that's, that's the plan. So, you know, so far, Josh, what do you, yeah. You and I, I am, uh, I'm totally vibing with what you're saying. And I think, uh, I really just want to, get this guy out, keep working, because I've got a bunch of new ideas, and I like the process of sending it, because oftentimes, I think when an EP is born, and you have time to think, like, have more time to think about each part as each person is working on it, I think it creates for a totally different outcome than if you were, we were together and really, you know, just like boom, 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 boom. Um, and I totally see live. I mean, live performances are totally going to happen soon. Um, nice. Uh, Let us know. We'll oh, make the trip. totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's definitely something that we see coming down the pipeline. Um, yeah, I'm just excited. Yeah, and and we would. I mean, shameless self promotion. You know, follow us on our on our social media accounts. 
you know, at Father Hands Band, and uh, the website is fatherhands.com. And uh, not Father's posting. Hands. Not Father's Hands. I was going to make Unless that you point. Thank get you, down Joshua. Sweet poetry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Or I mean. <laughs> Yeah, never mind. We will definitely direct our listeners to both of those, all of those accounts. Yeah, and as Jordan mentioned, uh, free downloads are available on their website, so head to fatherhands.com to check those out. Guys, thanks so much for joining us today. It was really yeah, great to talk to you. Uh, we wish oh. you all the best in this uh, adventure and experiment. We really like the music and uh, hope that we can hear it live soon, so do let us know when you're doing that. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for, uh, for having us. Yeah, it was our pleasure. Jonathan and Brianna Cohen, Cowan, actually. <laughs> they just explained how to pronounce their last name, and I've already forgotten. <laughs> uh, but we are here with them, and they are the owners and operators of Wooden Paddle Pizza, which is a Chicago area pizza restaurant. We have eaten there, and they have really good pizzas. They do so have very good thanks pizza. for coming on the show, you guys. Oh, thanks for having us. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for liking our pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So tell us about Wooden Paddle. What? How did you get started? Do you have a vision for the restaurant? Tell us about it. Yeah. Um, basically, I started working in a pizza restaurant in 2002, right when I turned 14 years old. When I was 20, I bought a Chicago-style pizza restaurant. In 2010, we got married, and then we decided we wanted to do something cool, like something different for the Chicago area. So we opened up Wooden Paddle in 2013 as like an artisan pizza place, and we've been doing that ever since. And uh, this upcoming December, we're going to be opening up a, a since you've been to our restaurant, we currently have a restaurant with four seats. And uh, in December um, of 2016 now, we'll be opening up a restaurant with like 80 to 100 seats. Wow, so, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, we're pretty pumped. <laughs> so are you keeping the old one or is this a move? Um, this will be a move. Okay. Um, just uh, to kind of more fit what artisan pizza is, but something you should go out to eat and sit down and eat, not carry out and deliver. Yeah, that would so. be fantastic. That's great. So is there a must-have pizza on your menu when we come visit your new restaurant? What what should we order? Oh, gosh. Well, we're going to be doing um, like a big kind of overhaul to the menu. I would say right now, if you guys already haven't had it, our, our most popular by far is the Pretty Fly for a White Pie. Um, it's just a four-cheese pizza with olive oil and garlic, cracked black pepper. Um, and weirdly, like the most popular pizza, but it's nothing like anything that's around here. So Brie yeah. likes it so much that on the menu actually she actually had printed Brie's fave. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Pretty seriously. So it's not your average no. cheese pizza. No. No, not not the average. Not yeah, better. I mean first off, we love white pizzas. So we have raved yeah. about them on the podcast before. Yes. So. yes. Big white pizza fans. Yes. Second of all, great name. <laughs> Thank you. I think with a name like that, you have to try it. <laughs> yeah, so. seriously. I'm a, I'm a big fan, like big fan of puns. I it's kind of ridiculous. Like my employees have started to hate me because of how <laughs> how much I like use that. Like labels, everything. They just like there's yeah. They tell me to stop, but it works with the names. So all right. So what are the four cheeses on the uh, pretty fly for a white pie? That one is mozzarella, ricotta, uh, gorgonzola, and shaved parmesan. Ooh. Sounds so, good. Sounds very yeah. good. Yeah, we definitely need to get that. Well, next time we are visiting, we're going to try that one. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right, so what has been the hardest thing about opening a restaurant? Oh, boy. <laughs> I hmm. People, if they ever come up to me and say, oh, I, I want to open up a restaurant, I'm like, do not do it. <laughs> Please don't. But, you know, I come from a different background, too. You know, I was a very ignorant when I got into the business. It was like, oh, I, my boss made money, and I think I can open up a restaurant and make money, you know, and I had no idea what I was doing. I was 20 years old when I started and didn't have any schooling for it or anything. It was just basically, I'm going to figure this out. And basically, one reason why we didn't go out of business or I didn't go out of business before we got married is because my mom uh, got a second mortgage on her home. So it was like, I have no choice to go out of business. If I go out of business, my mom is going to be in bad shape because she's basically, I have nothing to lose, you know, but she has a house to lose, you know. So sometimes when you're back to do a corner like that, like I was a 20-year-old who was working 75 hours a week, every week, not having a life, not visiting my friends at college. And uh, it, it basically, you just, sometimes you just make it happen. That's what I had to do. So if it was that much work, why did you do it in the first place? I mean, are you just a foodie? You just love food and pizza specifically? Is this something you've always wanted to do since you had your first job at 14? I wish it was as glamorous as that, but it wasn't. It was basically like, it was as stupid as like, I'm going to do it because I work, grew up working in a restaurant like this. But the fun part of the story is when we decided to take it away from just trying to make money because that's what we were trying to do with the Chicago style pizza place to actually trying to be awesome at making pizzas. Because along the way, we started getting passionate about like, well, we can do this better. Like there were a lot of things where when I first opened up the, uh, bought the existing restaurant in 2008, we were part of a chain. There are six restaurants. And uh, we wanted to change things up, do different things. And it was always a lot of pushback. Like, yeah, you young whippersnappers don't know what you're talking about. If this is how it's done. It should always be done this way. And uh, that's where we finally were like, you know, we need to change it up and do our own thing. So we self-educated, tried to you know, go to as many food shows and conferences, seminars as possible. And um, here we are now. Well, we know that you both have embarked on a very intriguing new challenge for 2016. Can you talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah. So um, with building the new restaurant out, obviously very, very expensive. And we are very anti-debt. So we paid off our, you know, original business loan. We don't have any personal debt, but then kind of looking at how much this new restaurant is going to be, we were like, oh, it's kind of like an insurmountable amount um, to kind of conquer. But we decided this year that we would just pay ourselves minimum wage, um, basically paying ourselves what somebody would make if they worked 30 hours a week at a minimum minimum wage job, both of us, um, and then save any other income that we would normally be um, getting from this year and put it all towards the restaurant build out. So uh, it's crazy. I mean, we don't live a really glamorous life anyway. We're in a one bedroom apartment and we, we got, we're, it's not like, we're cutting our lifestyle by 75% or anything, but, um, it is a little bit of a cut and, um, I, 
it, it'll be a fun challenge, I think. That's a weird thing for us to say, I guess. Most people would probably balk at that. But it's fun for us because we have an end in sight. Um, and then, you know, if this does, does work out and we have a restaurant that's built out, completely paid for, and we were able to prove to ourselves that we could, you know, do something that most people, you know, the conversation is now, oh, no, you can't live on minimum wage. It's unlivable. It's not a living wage. That's the conversation. Um, we kind of wanted to prove to ourselves and to other people and save for the restaurant. It's just like this triple functionality kind of a thing um, that we wanted to do. So that's kind of what we're doing. So are you guys going to be documenting your year-long journey in some way? Yes, yeah. So we um, we are starting it this month. Um, it's just going to be called The Unlivable Podcast. And um, we're not going to be heavy hitters right away. I don't think we're going to, you know go out of the gate with um, a bazillion episodes, but we definitely want to document, you know, kind of the struggles or, you know, ways that it it's maybe better for us. I think right now we're learning to um, like cook, <laughs> cook at home, which is weird for us because usually we would just eat at the restaurant or go out to eat. And I'm finding that we're actually having like more time together and, you know, you can make the best of any situation. And I think um, at the end of this, we'll kind of realize, hey, it wasn't wasn't that bad. We got where we wanted to be. And I don't know. I think it'll be fun. So are you guys not even eating your own restaurant food during this year? Well, basically, when our employees, uh, we have a, a a rule for like employee meals. And if you work a seven hour shift, you get a free meal. So we're just kind of living by that as well. Gotcha. Okay. And that's pretty normal. Any any. And, you know, person that works in food service, that's pretty, pretty standard. Yeah, so it's yeah, not, sure. not crazy, but we're not taking any of the perks, um, like a lot of the other things we were putting through the business and yeah, we're, we're doing it all our own now. So, <laughs> well, as Michael Scott said in the office, being a manager is not about the salary. It's about the perks, <laughs> like, like, like the hundred dollar gas card. Cause you can't put a price on that. <laughs> oh my God, we live by that show. I'm so glad you have yeah. We love the office. We're big fans. We're big it's fans. just so applicable to every part of life as well. Yes. <laughs> so when do you launch your podcast? Um, so we're getting, uh, so we're, so we had to search Amazon for some great microphone buys, you know, since we are living on a budget. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so those will be coming in tomorrow from the prime, uh, our prime membership we have. And, uh, we're hoping to get it up in like 10 days, probably. That's great. Well, we'll look forward to hearing more as you begin your podcast. The unlivable podcast. That's the name. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. And what's your guys, uh, restaurants website? Uh, woodenpaddlepizza.com. And where's the new place opening up? That one is going to be in Palos Heights, also known as Pizza Heights. All right, cool. So for our listeners, next time you're in the Chicago area, Palos Heights, I think it's a southwest suburb. Is that southwest right? Southwest suburbs, yeah. All right, so if, if you find yourselves in the southwest suburbs of Chicago, uh, check out Wooden Paddle Pizza. Or you just make a special trip. Right, For that yeah. four cheese. <laughs> yeah. yes. Yes. Hey, Jonathan and Brianna, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Best of luck opening up your new restaurant and best of luck living on your uh, minimum wage salaries this year. I look forward to hearing more about that on your podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you, guys. To wrap up episode 10, the season finale of season two. See, I still can't get over that. I know. Two seasons. It's crazy. Amazing. It feels like we just started doing this. Yeah. 
Well, and we did want to solicit some feedback. Yes. Uh, we are looking to improve always, and that's why we're always changing things up. So our question of the week for you all is to let us know what we can do to improve, what is working, what's not working, or even just beyond that, if you have suggestions that we haven't thought of yet, just let us know. Email us at Zach and Sally at vernacularpodcast.com. And as always, you can also reach out on Twitter uh, at VernacularPod or Facebook, facebook.com slash vernacularpodcast. And check out our website as well if you haven't already, www.vernacularpodcast.com. And on there, you can also fill out a questionnaire if you'd like to be on our show. Uh, folks like Jonathan and Brianna uh, contacted us. Well, they contacted us through a mutual friend, uh, but others have contacted us through our website and said they want to be on. And it's always fun to bring new people onto the show and talk to them about what they've got going on in their life. So please do that, and we'll hopefully hear from you soon. And also check out the site to see the accompanying blog post to this episode so you can learn more about Wooden Paddle and find out its location and more about Father Hands. Yeah, definitely. And with that, I think that about wraps it up for season two. So join us back here next, uh, well, probably not next week, <laughs> for our next <laughs> episode whenever month. that is released, hopefully <laughs> this month, uh, for our deep dive on the topic of abortion. It promises to be very engaging. So please join us for that. All right, for Vernacular Podcast, I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. Have a great week.